The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I am your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Today, I am going to be giving you another taste of negotiating your way out of self-sabotage, a clubhouse recording, this one taken the 10th of September, 2022. Why am I throwing so many of these up? Well, the reason I'm throwing so many of these up is that they are so good. When you listen to some of the advice, some of the direction, some of the support that is being provided to those guests who come up on stage, who have the courage to come up and say, I'm struggling with something. And then I have my wonderful moderators pour into them. I think that that is worth its weight in gold. It reminds us that we are not alone. It reminds us that if we ask for help, if we begin to share what's going on in our lives with others, others can be healed as well. That's why I put so many of these wonderful recordings on. I know they're long, but if you have the time and you really want to listen, perhaps there's something that's going to be said that's going to help you get through what it is that you're going through. And guess what? We are all going through something. We are all in this together. Let's support one another. Why not? Now, before I get into the recording, I want to talk a little bit about a saying that we've got to replace. We've, we've got to get rid of this saying. A lot of people who see others go through difficult things might look in and say, well, you know, that was just meant to be. They don't realize that that's a bunch of crap. Are you kidding? When somebody loses a child, you don't tell them, hey, that was meant to be. Do you? So why would you say it under any other circumstances? Things happen. Bad things happen to good people. To say, oh, well, it was just meant to be, or even to say that to yourself is not being honest and open and truthful. Well, honest and truthful is the same thing. But you get what I mean. We don't look at the things that happen to us and say, ah, well, you know, that was just meant to be. Or we don't look at the adversities or the difficulties that somebody else has gone through and say, oh, well, you know, that was just meant to be. That is a load of crap. It's time that we start looking at things and dealing with them for what they are and not making excuses that that was meant to be. Oh, that person was meant to go through the suffering. It was all in the big plan. No, that's not true. It's time that we look at things and truly analyze them, work at getting through the tough times and supporting others to get through their tough times. Anyways, that's what I've got to say for this little broadcast, this pre-broadcast you know, runoff of mine. That's what I'll call it. Uh, without any further delay... Here is the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room, the recording taken on the 10th of September, 2022. I hope that there's something in there 
that will help you with what you're struggling through. Good morning, everyone. My name is Robert Nadeau. I am Paul's older brother. Um, a bit about me. Uh, I guess uh, by day I'm a lawyer and uh, by night uh, I am an entertainer. I, um, I'm a mentalist. Um, my tagline is magic for the intelligent mind. I have performed in Las Vegas, New York, uh, Montreal, Toronto, across Canada. Um, and uh, the kind of entertainment for sophisticated audiences that still find magic to be full of wonder and enchantment. Um, uh, apart from that, my background, my undergrad was in the in philosophy and I majored in the uh, history of philosophy and science. And my sort of my academic interest, my ongoing academic interest is in critical thinking. And in that sense, I compliment uh, Candice's uh, um, experience and her qualifications quite well. She's sort of an expert in emotional intelligence, and I guess I would be an expert in critical thinking. And you put those two together, I think you've got a whole person. Anyhow, so with that, oh, oh last but not least, I, like Candice, I come here as much to learn as I do to contribute. And I have to say that I walk away from every one of these sessions a little, a little wiser, if not just a little older. Anyhow, and with that, <laughs> I will turn it over to King. Thanks so much, Robert. Hi, um, my name's King, and I am a social media and communication strategist, and also travel influencer. And so, if you weren't uh, if you weren't here when I first popped in a room, uh, I am currently in Istanbul uh, doing some uh, traveling and some uh, travel blogging and posting and uh, whatnot. And so, I unfortunately can only stay for just a little bit because I do have a very packed schedule here. But I definitely this is one of my favorite. Uh, times of the week and I want to make sure I was able to drop in and say hello to everyone very if, if even just for a very brief moment so I apologize if I do slip away quietly uh, during the room but uh, thank you I mean I'm so happy to be uh, here with you guys uh, today and I learn so much every single week uh, with everyone here and with that I'm going to pass the microphone over to Dr. Allison so Dr. Allison if you are ready the stage is yours Thank you, King. Um, if you don't follow King, um, follow him on Instagram because he's posting some incredible pictures um, from his trip. They're just beautiful, um, awe-inspiring. Uh, my name is Dr. Allison Okluffy. I'm a clinical and educational psychologist here in California. I'm also a consulting psychologist for the state of California. But my passion is helping people work on two components of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness and self-regulation, um, helping people to learn to love and accept themselves. Because I feel that when people have that sense of self-love, self-calm, and are able to self-soothe, they're able to weather the storms, they're able to be more civil and loving to others, more accepting and kinder. And that's really my goal in life is so people can live happier and healthier lives. Back to you, Paul. Thank you so much, and what a wonderful goal to have. So welcome, everybody. Um, as we are getting started, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to each and every one of you. You are in the Take Control of Your Life Club, and if you like the content here, please click on that little greenhouse and join our, our little club, and you will be notified of any of the rooms that we start. Today, we're going to be talking about negotiating our way out of self-sabotage. A little bit about me. Uh, I am Robert's brother, and I started this room about oh, almost almost two years ago uh, with King, and we are here to serve people. And I'm a former 
hostage negotiator and international peacekeeper. I learned a lot about self-sabotage having been a victim of it myself and having gone through depression and the whole works, but more so when I was working with victims of crime in all kinds of horrific circumstances, I observed how some people could really tell themselves that what they were going through was not going to define them. They were going to move beyond all the things that had happened to them. They regained their power control and control. I was fascinated by the human mind and what we're capable of doing. And so that is what led me to really do a lot of research in this area. So I'd like to talk a little bit about self-sabotage before I turn the microphone over to our first speaker. And I see that Ken has joined us. I'd love to have Ken uh, join up on the uh, stage here. But what is self-sabotage? Let's talk a little bit about the word sabotage. Sabotage means or includes to deliberately damage or destroy something. Whether you damage, destroy, obstruct something, if it's an act uh, that you do on purpose, that is called sabotage. Now, self-sabotage, that refers to behaviors and thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from living the life that we deserve to live. Is it something that is deliberate? Well, once you become aware of it, I'm going to suggest that it is a deliberate act of self-sabotage. So that's what I would say. Now, what are some of the examples of self-sabotage? While I go through uh, this, this list, I want you to think about your own life because guess what, folks? We all sabotage ourselves at some point. There are some times that we are going to get these little voices in our heads that tell us certain things that are not in our best interest. And those are the times that we need to challenge the, the dialogue. We need to challenge that. Here are examples, blaming others when things go wrong. So we choose to, to either blame, point the finger and just not take any accountability or responsibility. That could happen in a relationship. Your relationship's not going well, you point the finger at whoever it is and say, well, it's him or her fault. That's the person, it's not me. So you don't take any accountability. That could happen at, at work as well. Hey, I'm not getting anywhere in work because of this person, that person, or my boss, whatever. That could be an act of self-sabotage because you're really not examining what your role in that is and you're just choosing to point the finger at somebody else and not take any responsibility. Another one would be choosing to walk away when things don't go right. It's very similar to blaming others when things go wrong. But if you walk away when things are going wrong and you don't stop to, to deal with it, it's not going to go away. It's going to come back in some way. And that's an act of self-sabotage. Procrastination, just looking at something and saying, there's no way that I can even start this. I'll never get it done. That is an act of self-sabotage. Uh, picking fights with friends or partners for what appears to be no particular reason whatsoever. There is an underlying reason, mostly, and at times it's just because you want to be seen or heard. It's one of our desires in life to be seen, heard, loved, accepted, all that kind of stuff. And if you're feeling that you're not getting that from someone, from family, from your significant other, from friends, some people turn to starting a fight for no particular reason, just to say, hey, look at me, I, I exist, I'm here, as opposed to just sitting down and saying, I feel like you don't see me or you don't hear me. Um, dating people you know 
aren't right for you. You go back to the same kind of toxic relationships. Those are, those are things that people do when they don't value themselves. When they when they look or or they just say, you know what, I can I can't possibly attract this type of person into my life, so I'll settle for this type of person. It's a vibration and an energy that you send out to the universe and you're going to get what you attract. And so once you start to value yourself, once you start to do the work that you want to do in order to become the person that you are, and this is true at work as well, what must I do to become this high value person, to date this high value person? What must I do uh, in my own life to be that person that will attract this, this person, this job, whatever? A lot of people don't examine their lives they just wish it were so. And so we need to do some work. Another one is stating, uh, trouble stating our needs and desires. And we've run into this so much. A lot of people can't tell their, their family what it is that they desire. They listen to their parents, their parents say, and they, they follow their parents or, or their parents' direction at their own detriment. So if you have trouble stating your needs and desires with family, friends at work, in romantic relationships, then that's a part of self-sabotage. You are your own individual. Your own dreams are out there, and those are the things that you deserve to follow, even if it means that some people aren't going to agree with you. Shoot for what it is that you want. You don't have to keep it to yourself. You can share those needs and desires with the people who matter the most, and hopefully they will support you. And if they don't, it's okay. It's your life. It can't be run by anybody else but you. Blaming and shaming ourselves is another one. When we do things that aren't right to other people, to hold on to the fact that we blame and shame ourselves, I should not have done this in this relationship, or I should not have said that, or I, I could have been, or I should have been better here or there. When we blame and shame ourselves, we are doing ourselves an injustice because we're no longer those people. For example, if, if there was something that I did six months ago and I go, I keep going back and saying, gosh, I, w I wish I would have done this differently. I could have done, I could have said this, I could have said that. I'm doing myself an injustice, folks, because I'm not that person anymore. I've grown and, and I'm hoping that this is happening to each and every one of us here is that we are growing and becoming a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday. So to go back and blame your sh and shame yourself for things that happened a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, even 25 years ago is doing yourself an injustice. Do the work to become the person, the best version of yourself today, and then tomorrow be even better. That's the way it works or should work. Uh, putting ourselves down is a big one. I can't do anything right. Those little voices that pop in and say, why does this always happen to me? It always happens to me, nobody else, nobody loves me. I'm not worthy of this job. I'm not worthy of this relationship. I'm not worthy of whatever. When we start to entertain that narrative, it's time for us to challenge that narrative and change it. Another big one is comparing ourselves to others. When we compare ourselves to others, we're doing ourselves an injustice. We look at other people, maybe on Instagram, and say, they must be living the perfect life. Why can't I have this kind of life? Well, that's focusing on something that you don't have, and it's always at our detriment. And it's not to say that this person has a better life, because we don't know what's going on in their hearts. We don't know what's going on in their lives. But if we compare ourselves to them, 
we're moving away from what we can control and we can control our lives and be grateful for what we have and just be the best version of ourselves. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. That's my spiel for this morning. So thank you for listening. I'm going to turn the microphone over to Peter to get us started. So Peter, welcome and over to you, my friend. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mods, King. Travel safe, mate. Can't wait to see you in Ballarat. All you got to do is fly into Melbourne and I'll meet you here. Um, Paul, as everyone well knows, uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And some of the strongest words were grief. Grief is the price we pay for love and I had to go to my, oh, I'll tell you, I work for St John Ambulance Australia, Victoria, based in Ballarat, but I go to my headquarters and everyone was in tears on Friday, everyone, because she was like our, our head of state for St John Ambulance but she was our head of state uh, head of state in Australia as she's in Canada and the world is crying but just the grieving that's all and it just brought up a lot of it brought up some stuff for me for people that have either left my life including my daughter starting with my daughter and friends that have just slowly left my life. So that's where I'm at. I think I'm grieving. And um, that's why I wanted to come to the room. Uh, the tears have stopped <laughs> for now. But um, I know it's a safe place to share. So... Um, that's me, my friends, and I'll keep it short, as I do. There we are. Thank you, Peter. And this is a, a safe place for you to share, for anyone to share. And, man, I, I'm feeling sad as well. The Queen was such a beautiful, beautiful human being, such grace, such dignity. Uh, she just absolutely was an amazing uh, force uh, to be to be appreciated. Um, anybody, any one of my moderators want to uh, say anything about uh, the key, uh, the queen? Um, she's absolutely beautiful. Yes, Dr. Allison. So um, I have a sort of a relationship with uh, London. My, pater my maternal grandfather was born in London. And so um, I've always had this fascination since I was a child with everything English. And so um, I think though, even if you're not um, English, the longevity and the fact that the Queen was willing to own her mistakes and to work on them. You know, when we saw this with her first approach with um, what happened with Princess Diana, she realized she was taking the wrong tactic and she changed it. And it just gave, I remember thinking, if she can be that explicit in saying that this was not working, I need to do something else. I remember being so aware of the fact that what a powerful role model example that was. And um, and I feel that even if you're not a, a Commonwealth subject, um, 
the 70 years, the fact that she dedicated her life to service. I was listening to her first speech when she was 14, and she was just this just lovely soul, just a beautiful soul. And, you know, I think that um, it can trigger loss and sadness and um, a sense of emptiness almost. And, and then some people then can fall into the what will happen next. And I always remember, um, I don't know who said this, it could have been Desmond Tutu or somebody equally as fabulous, but why worry what's going to happen is going to happen. And um, I, I think sometimes we can get into that projection mode, whereas if we stay in the moment, feel our feelings, allow ourselves to sit with our feelings, acknowledge them, um, and, and be okay with them, allowing whatever is triggered emotionally to be felt, to be processed, it'll allow it to also be released and never to necessarily say goodbye to it, but to put it in a place of, oh, okay, this is what this is and I can still go on. Um, I will be able to live my life maybe with a sense of loss or sadness, but with the ability to know that life is cyclical, things happen, um, life is transitory. It's not a given forever. And, um, and that is poignant unto itself. And sometimes we forget that these things, you know, things happen, people leave us and we sometimes take it so personally and yet it is, and it's felt personally, but that is what life is about. It's about you know, being born and living and then passing. And, and maybe this is, you know, a message of saying, can we live our lives in a way that's more authentic, that's more loving to ourselves and to others, um, more considerate, more of service. Um, so all these questions can then be um, asked of self and then responded to. So it's also a sense of sadness, but then a wonderful opportunity for growth. Thank you for bringing that up, Peter. Wow, thank you, Dr. Allison. Um, what a what a wonderful conversation. King, I saw that you had raised your hand and, and Robert, so I'm gonna go to King and then Robert. Awesome, thank you, Paul. I, I'm not gonna be anywhere near as uh, eloquent and uh, as Dr. Allison was, but I just wanna say, I, I mean, I was born in Hong Kong, I mean, and I mean, obviously living in Canada, it's a Commonwealth country. And so same, I've always, and also I, I lived in England for a couple of years. And so I, I feel, you know, I've always felt a very strong connection with, uh, with the UK and also, I mean, just the queen, I'm, I, she's been there my entire life. So, I mean, I believe she's even on my birth certificate actually, since I was born in Hong Kong. So it's, it's, a, there's always been just, you know, a bit of a fascination with it, but also, I mean, you do have to realize what an incredible transformation she had to go through because she was not in line for the throne when she was growing up and suddenly to be thrust into this spotlight and even thrust into this trajectory, uh, this destiny that she did not choose. And she performed the role just as well as anyone possibly could have. Was she perfect? Of course not. And it, I think that's just great that shows, you know, because ev everyone thinks that, you know, her, you know, because she's the queen, everything, you know, it must be great. And obviously it's not, but it's just, I've always just been impressed with her sense of sort of duty and just 
tr- she tried as as Dr. Allison said as well. Like she, as you know, she she definitely tried and you know did the best that she possibly could um, in an imperfect system and also for a job that she never you know probably never wanted and never chose and but because she was called upon to do it and she knew the importance of it she she did it and uh, she did it right up until you know the very last moment and you know it's just it's one of those things where it's always great to see i mean there are obviously benefits there's perks she's did a lot of good things but it kind of reminds me to always try to look at any situation whether it's uh, you know good or bad or whatever but always to try to make the best of it because we can't always necessarily choose where we find ourselves but we can definitely choose the actions um that we take and the the attitude that we go with it which i feel is uh, i i feel i've just paraphrased something that paul says uh, often so (laughs) sorry paul i didn't mean to steal that but uh so that's just all i wanted to say and i mean she's you know like she's been a part of my life for a long time it's gonna be very strange not to uh not to you know have have her around the world but um she's uh you know given me a little bit of of an example to live up to and that's all i'll say about that so uh robert if you are ready to share i will pass your microphone off to you and i'll probably have to pop off here in about a minute or two but i just want to thank everyone for letting me share the stage with you today and uh, it's great seeing you and i'll see you all next week thanks king that was well said robert over to you and king stay safe yeah thank you king and yes uh, continue having a good time over there um you and i have to talk after you get back okay so listen uh, first of all uh yeah thank you peter for bringing that up Yes, uh, the death, the Queen's death this week, I think, has had a profound impact around the world. And I think that's the focus I want to have this morning. When um, the Queen, her, her coronation was in 1952, the year I was born. And so through my whole life, I have known her as the Queen of the Commonwealth. And Canada, of course, is a member of the Commonwealth. When I went through law school, um, we always learned about how all of the lawsuits, uh, you know, especially in criminal law and other things, were uh, in the name of the Queen. So the Queen, and of course, the Queen is such a fundamental part of our Constitution. So there's there's that kind of symbolism as well. But more than that, when I when I think of her as an individual, I see her as a kind of a a model, a model of grace, a model of dignity, a model of humanity. Um, yes, as Dr. Allison pointed out, she wasn't perfect, but I got to tell you, uh, there's no one in this world uh, who is perfect, but she was iconic in the same way, I suppose, that one might say Mama Teresa, Mother Teresa was iconic. Um, uh, she, to me at least, she embodied a model of liberalism in the sense that, um, she herself in her own person valued everyone. Uh, she was a model of, of goodness in, in, in my eyes. Uh, she was a model of unity because wherever she went, when she came here to Canada, for example, and she visited with the indigenous peoples, they welcomed her with open arms. Wherever she traveled around the world, she was welcomed. And why is that? Because she embodied a kind of royal dignity that is, um, I think is gonna be almost impossible 
impossible to, uh, uh, to for uh, King Charles or anyone else to, to match. Nevertheless, you know, for those, uh, for the less cynical among us, uh, as I posted on my Facebook page, for the less cynical among us, um, she will be missed. Um, I think she gave the monarchy a, a sense of royalty and dignity that had it not been for her, I don't know what the, what the status of the monarchy would be today. I don't know what it's going to be in the future, um, but I, for one, am going to miss uh, her. Um, and uh, with that, bro, I'm going to uh, turn it back. Oh, you asked if I could reset the room. Um, Paul, I will try. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I will not do as good a job as King or as Michelle as my first attempt, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, then you can fill in the blanks, whatever I whatever I've missed. All right. Okay. So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to um, uh, the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self Sabotage uh, Room as part of the Take Control of Your Life Club. Um, we meet here every Saturday morning um, at uh, 12 noon um, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, and it's this is a this is a place, a room where people can come and share that we each of us struggles with all kinds of different challenges some are emotional some are social um some are relational uh but this is a safe space for people to come for people to share now we do have very qualified um psychologists clinical psychologists therapists and others who specialize in one form or another grief counseling and and, and mental health on this platform such as dr allison um and um, uh, such as um, uh, Dr. Norm, Norman, um, but we're not here to dispense um, uh, professional counseling. Um, the, the moderators here are here to listen and to share from their experience, from their background. Uh, so uh, if, you're if you're gonna share something that you feel might be triggering, that it might raise some kind of alarm or concern in anyone, please just kind of issue a trigger warning so that this remains a, a safe space for people to share. And uh, so with that, bro, I don't know what I've missed, but uh, that's that's my first attempt. There you go. You know, you know what? I, I wanted to throw it over to you because I know you'd do a fantastic job and you did. No, it's fantastic. For the first time around, I think we should uh, unmute and just applaud Robert. What do you think, everybody? Yeah. Solid coffee, Very solid, solid bro. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's great. All right. So, um, Peter, thank you so much for joining us and for opening this conversation about the Queen. Um, Ken, did you want to add anything? I see that you've joined us and, and so happy to have you here. Did you want to add anything about the Queen, this conversation, or shall we just go on? Go ahead and move on. I have... I have nothing to add. I'm so sorry. No, don't, my don't be. May, don't be. May shine through. Yeah, don't be. I think a lot of beautiful things have been said. So I'm gonna just put Peter back into the audience. Peter's always welcome. He's such a, a great addition to this room. Ken, we didn't get a chance to have you uh, just to tell us who you are, and uh, so I'm gonna turn the microphone over to you for an introduction. Well, I just, um, I'm Ken Walls. I appreciate you uh, having me up here and and um, making me a mod. I'm not sure how long I can stay. I, I was just listening in, Paul, and I, I uh, as you know, I've had you on my show and I think the world of you. I've had, I, I just, um, 
just hanging out listening quite frankly I, I i saw you on here i rarely if ever get on clubhouse and um just saw you and i thought i'd pop in your room and say hi to you so i'm just here to hang out and listen i appreciate that and uh yep if you have to leave just go but it's so nice to have you here ken and i really appreciate you as a, an individual as well and the work that you do so thank you all right everyone um one thing that i will add Robert, is uh if you if you are resonating with anyone who is speaking please give them a follow uh it's it's very important because you will get notified when they jump into other rooms and i know myself i have people that i follow and i'm notified when they're in a room and it's just kind of nice to to join them and to listen to them dr allison for example who is here on stage and she's a very active individual on this pouring her heart giving her knowledge and i know that whenever she jumps into a room and i happen to be i don't have my notifications on but when i jump in to take a look i can see where she is i can join her room so do that and and it's not just the the people with the green bean uh it's anybody that you might want to reach out to and and just uh connect with because you can do this also off the app i have met so many incredible people in person uh, from across the world, uh, and it's just, it's just life changing. This application can be life changing. It has been for me. So, uh, follow them, and uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Now I'm going to turn it over to Marae. Welcome, Marae. What is that? A drum set you've got there? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a snare drummer. Uh, John Philip Sousa March music. <laughs> it's one of my passions, Paul. <laughs> It's like uh, I even went out for a commercial, and I was I was uh, uh, I was pinned. I was I was everything, and at the last minute, they said, you know, it, it was for me to march with a band, and it was it was a wonderful commercial. You know, it would have been great. And they said, no, no, they went with a man. Really? <laughs> But I got that far and it was great because I was I got a chance to audition with a bunch of wonderful musicians. But anyway, I'm here today like I am every Saturday, if I can be with for my go to room. And uh, just one little thing I want to say about and I use the word our our queen um, when I think of her because I grew up with her. Um, I think of the word, I think of one word, really, there's many, but I think of one word and that's dignity. And so regardless, I feel regardless what happens in your life, if you have dignity, and that's what I think of her, whether she's right or wrong and the choices in what she, she is a human being. And I'm glad someone said that. Did she make mistakes? Well, she's a human being. Yeah, hello. But she always had dignity. So. I, I don't mourn her. I am grateful to her and a woman who was like my mother from England. Oh yeah. Yeah. Major just passed away recently and we would talk about the queen together and it was wonderful. So I'll get off that subject and, and go into uh, something that Paul said. And I just, I reflected on it. I just got finished working out. I have a, a major uh, work day today filming, but so I don't know how long I'll be here. I'll be listening. But Paul said something that I won't ever forget. And I've shared it with a couple of people and I've shared it in a couple of rooms. And uh, I was um, 
something happened to me where I was um, guilty. I felt guilty. I felt guilty. I felt guilty. And I couldn't forgive myself. I couldn't forgive myself. So I called upon a major psychologist who's a dear friend of who's become a dear friend of mine. And he couldn't help me because we're, we're close friends. So he gave me a couple of names. I looked into them and I was going to um, employ one of them. And then I was in Paul's room. And Paul said one thing, and I, Paul has heard this before. He saved me a lot of money, a lot, a lot of time and a lot of money, because it was like, I, I believe in miracles in my life. I conceive, believe, receive miracles in my life. And I had a miracle that day. It was like a miracle. And I shared it with my mentor. She said, well, see how you feel about it tomorrow. And then the next day, and I've never gone back. Now that was probably, I'm guessing, eight, nine months ago, I don't know. But Paul said one thing, and I remember what I was guilty about. Of course, I won't ever forget it. But when I think about it, it go, I go, yeah, okay. And Paul said, you aren't the same person now, or now that you were then. Because if you were that person that you are now, you wouldn't have done that. But at that time, you did the best you could do. So you've got to move on. Well, he didn't quite put it in those words, but he did say, you're not the person you were then. And it's in his book, okay, which I have. And I've never forgotten that. And also other things have come up in my life that I, I went, oh God, damn, why did I do that? And then I think about that. Well, you're, you're not the person. You weren't the person then that you are now. Would you handle it differently now? Yeah. So that has been a major turning point in my life, in my life. And uh, Paul, you know, I know you've heard it before, but I, can't, I, I, I choose not to forget it. I choose to keep reminding myself of it because I will make, shall we say, um, uh, false moves. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I like the word mistakes. Uh, learning experiences, growing experiences, opportunity experiences, and that's what it was. So thank you, everybody, and uh, you'll put me back down, and I will leave. Uh, you know when I need to leave, but I. This is my go-to Saturday room. I live for this room, and I've even put it on. Uh, I put it on social media that this is my number one favorite room on Clubhouse, and, you know, and it is because I learn and grow so much. And thank you, and God love and, and bless you, Dr. Allison. And then King and I have been writing back and forth because I told him, I said, I want that room. I want that room. And he says, well, come and get it. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody. God love and God bless. Thank you, Murray, and thank you for sharing what you have shared. And I, I'm a believer uh, when I said it, is that we should never go back and blame our, and shame ourselves. I, I truly believe that we are, we're growing. We're people who, this is, this is something that we just move, keep getting better or try to keep getting better in this world. As we talked about today, um, nobody's perfect and we're going to say or do something that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And if we stay in that moment years later or months later, blaming and shaming ourselves because we could have been better we're not helping ourselves. We just, 
have to learn from our experiences, as Murray said, and just keep moving forward. And this is it. It's, I'm standing on the shoulders of the person I was yesterday. And I plan on standing on my shoulders tomorrow. So just keep improving, you know, one day at a time. And these experiences teach us. They teach us to be the people that we deserve to be and the people that we should strive to be. Um, do Robert, over to you. Yeah, I really appreciated that exchange, uh, Murray's uh, comment and your response. What it reminds me of, again, this is sort of <laughs> reaching back into my background. You know, uh, Heraclitus was an ancient Greek philosopher. He was a pre-Socratic. He wrote in the sort of 500s BC. He said, you can never step into the same river twice because it's not the same river and you're not the same man. That principle has been with us from time immemorial. Uh, it was then picked up again by... Um, uh, by uh, Johannes Kepler and Isaac Newton, who both said, if I have seen further than, than others, it's because I have stood on the shoulders of, of, of giants. And so the truth is that we do, we, we do evolve, we, we change, we, we grow. And that's true of us as individuals, but it's also true of us as societies generally. You know, that's the whole value of, of liberalism is, is that, you know, we're, we're able to look at our mistakes like, like the Queen did. I think it was Dr. Allison that uh, so rightly pointed that out, um, that we look at ourselves and, and we're able to recognize that, okay, you know, what I did that before I said that before I was wrong and you know to the extent that we can say I was wrong and I'm sorry I think in those moments those are the moments we grow those are the moments we grow beyond our wildest imagination we can never psychologically get us there it's only when we face ourselves and our weakness and our vulnerability and acknowledge that we're not perfect I think that's when we grow anyhow bro I just wanted to add that well, what a wonderful, wonderful ad, Robert. Um, you said that so beautifully. I wrote it down uh, too. You cannot step in the same river twice. Love the way that you put that. Well, the way the way that it was put, and everything that you added to the conversation. Because uh, I, I think that we all get something from reminding ourselves that we are, at times, not going to do the right thing. Uh, that we strive to do the right thing, but when we blow it, slapping ourselves in the face day in and day out uh, for months or years uh, to, to follow doesn't feel good. I know when I slap myself in the face, it hurts. And if I go back and think of something that I did in the past and slap myself in the face for having done it, I, I, I'm just going to hurt. And I, I should learn from that and say, okay, yeah, you didn't do the right thing there, Paul. Uh, go back and, and just apologize if there's an apology that needs to be made. And then forgive yourself and just learn from that experience and move on. You are not that person. You cannot step in the same river twice. It's not the same river. So Robert, thank you. That was beautifully said. Really appreciate that. Uh, do any one of my moderators want to add anything more to this conversation? Yes, Dr. Allison. I just want to send some love to Murray because reframing um, problems or these things as opportunities to learn more about ourselves, to learn our triggers or things that were not taught to us as children. You know, it we hold ourselves responsible for things that might not have been shared with us by our primary caretakers because they might not have known that this was something to be shared because of their childhood. And so um, 
you know, having the grace to give oneself is so important. And, you know, Paul, as you beautifully mentioned, you know, sometimes we do have to go back and say, I, I'm sorry, or make an amend to somebody or something or, or ourselves if we've harmed ourselves in some way, but then letting that go and not using it as a club to beat ourselves up over. And, you know, Stephen Hawkins uh, wrote a wonderful book on the shoulders of giants. I was trained as a science um, educator. And so, um, you know, that I always say to give credit where credit's due because I see people um, quoting, you know, giants and, and taking it as, as their own um, work of, of cognitive intelligence. And it's like, no, you need to give credit where credit's due. And I find that, you know, I guess as a former, as a doctoral student <laughs> twice over, um, citing people is so paramount. And so um, it's, it's lovely to give credit where credit's due. I think that is a part of um, humility. And it's also celebrating the the genius and the brilliance of others around you. And I find that, you know, listening to Robert and reading his Facebook posts reminds me that there's so much credit to be given. And instead of looking at it as you're failing, how about your, your finding that information and sharing it some more so it, it you know, reaches a a bigger audience and more people and celebrating somebody else's work rather than taking it as, well, I'm just going to steal that and package it as mine, which is, you know, Marianne Williamson calls that playing small and why not step onto a bigger stage and, and play large and play, um, you know, in a way that celebrates us all. So I just wanted to say that because Marie, you also brought up the fact that you didn't, although you were talking to, and I think I know who you were talking to, and he uh, offered you some resources, not every situation warrants a need to visit a clinical psychologist. Sometimes a friend, a mentor, a colleague, a coach um, can help with, with opening your eyes to something that's going on. But, you know, if something is clinically and significantly impairing your life, so you cannot participate in your daily activities, then yes, of course, you need to seek professional advice. But a lot of times for daily life functioning, when, when you're confused, talking over with a trusted friend or coming into a room like this, where there's so many wise individuals, and not just the moderators, the people who come to the stage, I would trust Murray and Tazy with life problems, because they're so knowledgeable, they have inform themselves so richly that I would trust them and their opinions uh, on things that I would have a question with. So I just wanted to celebrate all of us. Thanks. Dr. Allison, that was beautiful. I think we should unmute again. I'm going to do this again because I think we need to celebrate Murray, Tazy, everybody who drops into this room and shares their life. So <laughs> you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being uh, here. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Cleefee. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, so, so grateful. So very, very grateful. Murray, we're grateful to have you, and what a what what a bright light you are, Candice. I'm gonna uh, turn the microphone over to Candice. Thank you, Paul. And um, I just wanted to add something very quickly on top of whatever you know my uh, 
couple of moderators have already added. And Marie, you brought up the notion of guilt, which is such a normal emotion and feeling that we've all, you know, struggled with or dealt with. And, you know, what I just wanted to say on top of what's already been shared is to allow ourselves the time to pause and reflect and understand why we have the feeling of guilt. And part of the forgiveness, Marie, that you spoke about when it's directed at other people, that's definitely part of the process. But sometimes we forget that a large part of the process is also pointing forgiveness at ourselves and, you know, showing ourselves kindness. And we sort of look outwards and sometimes we forget to look inwards. And so I just wanted to point that out and ask everybody to take a moment and just reflect yourselves as to how do you show yourself kindness, not just when you're maybe feeling a little bit guilty, but just, you know, from a day-to-day -day perspective, are you showing yourself enough kindness? And is, and is there an opportunity to perhaps, you know, improve on the kindness that you're showing inwards? That's all I wanted to add. Thank you, Paul. That was a great uh, ad, uh, Candice. It, it's so true. Forgiveness uh, is something that we ask of others when we have harmed them or said something that hurt them, whatever it is that we need to ask forgiveness for. But the there's a two-sided coin uh, to forgiveness. On the one hand, it's the person that we, that we hurt. On the other hand, it's forgiving ourselves and moving forward. Really love the fact that you added that. It brings uh, something to mind for me as well. I was thinking about this last night and I, I get all these kind of thoughts and write things down. I've got papers all over my place. Um, many of us would never, ever treat others the way that we treat ourselves. What I mean by that, if you had a friend and your friend came to you and said, hey, I got a date and uh, it, it's with this guy and, and he's really cool and stuff like that. And you, oh, well, that's great. And then you go, your friend goes on the date and she comes back and she and you ask her how it went and you say, hey, how did the date go? Well, we really didn't hit it off. It looked like he wasn't interested. And then you would turn to your friend and say, well, that's because you're 15 pounds overweight. And not only that, you're ugly. And uh, you don't have a personality. You wouldn't say that to your friend now, would you? You wouldn't. Why do you say it to yourself? Why do you look at yourself and put yourself down? If there's anybody that ought to be supporting you, it ought to be you first. You should be loving yourself, the self-love. We talk about this in this room. Dr. Allison has spoken about it. Robert has spoken about it. Candice, everybody, all my moderators have at one point or another talked about self-love. And it's so very true. So why is it that we look at ourselves or that we talk to ourselves and put ourselves down? We would not do that to a loved one. We would support our loved ones. We would say something kind to our loved ones. We'd look at them and say, you're beautiful. You're doing a great job. And this is something that we need to do to ourselves because we are not going to be the most wonderful version of ourselves if we don't love ourselves first. We're always going to be second guessing ourselves or maybe putting ourselves down. It's that narrative that we need to change. Treat yourself the way you would treat the person that you love the most in life and see if that does not change your your course in life. And I, I truly believe it does. Murray, thank you so much for bringing this conversation up and for reminding us, as um, Dr. Allison meant, uh, mentioned, reframing things, you know, just taking another look at it, looking at it, uh, at it as opportunity, 
because we are going to stumble, we are going to fall, we are going to, and Murray doesn't like to use mistakes, but we're gonna, we're gonna goof up, if I can say it that way. But it's, it's our responsibility to look at that and say, okay, that's something I don't want to do again. It's like looking at a hot stove as a kid and then reaching over and touching the element to burn your fingers, are you gonna do it again? Once you become aware and you have done uh, whatever it requires to, to fix it, to ask forgiveness and to forgive yourself, it's time to move on and learn from that experience. Bray, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. And good luck with your uh, filming today. Is it, uh, is it filming? It's uh, I have to do a lot of experimental work with my camera for the for the lighting and for for many things that I because of what I have coming up next week filming wise. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Paul. All right. Thank Thanks. you, Murray. Just going to take you back into the audience. And um, hey, Robert, would you like to give it another shot and re, uh, reset the room? What do you think about that? Sure, I'll give it another try. <laughs> I give it another try. Uh, you know, I guess uh, yeah. if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Anyhow, <laughs> um, good, good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Robert. I am one of the moderators here. Welcome to uh, the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage uh, Room, which is uh, a room within the Take Control of Your Life Club. This uh, club was started by Paul uh, and King uh, just over a year ago. Um, and I've got to say that it has been quite um, an experience, quite a growing experience for so many that have joined us. Uh, we are graced every every Saturday morning, uh, 12, 12 noon um, Eastern Standard Time, by so many wonderful moderators and so many wonderful guests, such as those of you here. I've got to say that, you know, it's this is one of those rooms where you can go almost anywhere on social media, you know, <laughs> I don't care where, and people are fighting with each other back and forth and stabbing each other and criticizing each other and everything else. This is one of those very few safe spaces uh, where um, you can come and you can actually share your your and be vulnerable and know that you're going to receive a sympathetic ear. We have qualified clinical psychologists and and uh, uh, other uh, medical experts and, and and mental health experts like Dr. Allison, Dr. Norm, uh, others who um, come here and share their expertise. But they're not dispensing professional therapy. Uh, instead, all of us here, uh, the moderators and others in the audience, we're here to share our lived experiences, um, our backgrounds, um, and to provide whatever assistance uh, we can and and in the end to try to be as empathetic and sympathetic as we can be so if uh, you know if there's any of these moderators that really speaks to you in a particular way check out their profiles um, uh, there are so many uh, wonderful moderators here that uh, you might want to follow on different platforms um, and so uh, bro with that i hope i've covered it all and back to you you did a wonderful job, man, and uh, you did a, a great job the first time and a fantastic job the second time, and I'm going to call on you some more. <laughs> so, All right. Um, I'm going to go over to our next guest, uh, Ami. Is it Ami? Are you there, Ami? Ami? All right. I'll come back to Ami uh, in a bit, but we're going to jump right over to Tay-Z. Tay-Z, welcome. So nice to see you, Taisy. Are you there, Taisy? 
Yeah, I am. Sorry, I just had to get you out of my back pocket. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, I've been in somebody's back oh, pocket dear. before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you all so much again and again for being here. Uh, every time I come in, I feel like I take another step up or even six steps up. But that theme of forgiving yourself for where you were and then stepping into the river again. So I'll go back to the queen and the queen's death brought up for me a passing of two different generations in my life and in my reality, my world reality. And that was the generation of my grandmother. And if you've seen that show on TV, the Downton Abbey, the girls in that show, the daughters, those, that was my grandmother. I mean, not wealthy like that, but that was her generation, all the norms and everything else that went on with those girls, the changes. And if you, and then my mother's generation, the generation that came of age in the World War II and were so hardworking and so upright and well-meaning, making mistakes along the way. You know, we forgive our, uh, the generations past too, as much as we forgive ourselves. So I, uh, so I did post some pictures of this queen that I, that I grew up with, that was there for my whole entire life. And she herself getting crowned at age 25 and 52 or three, and just being so stoic and so committed to her task that she was given. And for that, I grieved a life that was well lived. And then I was made aware by a couple friends of, of the, and I had known this anyway, um, the effects of colonization in India and colonization worldwide. Now, it wasn't the Queen's fault, but I do understand that if I'm grieving publicly for a representative of the monarchy, the British monarchy, that it does have impact in that arena. Not that I'm going to jump in and engage and get all emotionally involved, but that I am going to, A, forgive myself that I I kind of, you know, it was a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit of an oversight, and it was an oversight. Now, I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but I had my day of mourning, and that's what I needed for me personally, and it's different for everybody because as we, grief is a highly individual experience. It's the relationship with which you what it brings up for you and, and who it brings up for you and et cetera, et cetera. So I did that though. This is where I'm proud of myself. It's like I went, oh yeah. And then I forgave myself immediately. It's like, well, that's not what it meant to me. To me, it meant this. And that was my grief. And I forgive myself. And I was done with that piece once I placed it with my grandmother and my mother, both of whom I've lost. And it's just... It's such a healthier way of being than I was before, where I would go into a cataclysmic just punching myself. I mean, it was just the, the retribution I would give myself for what I perceived as a mistake or a blunder or whatever um, was And I treated everyone else so well. And so what you just said, Paul, about 
you wouldn't treat your best friend that way. You wouldn't treat a loved one that way. That is so true. And I don't anymore. And that's why one big step forward. But there's another one. And I posted it on Instagram. I was so proud of it because it actually works for me. That last week I was struggling with, I need that motivation so it's not, I don't have the sense of resistance every time I go to inhabit my new habits of cleaning out my house and getting rid of things I don't need. And what is this that every turn I take to better my life, in a true sense of the word, I had such overbearing resistance. And it came to me that to really step into my life, I am, I am crossing over a bridge. Just a minute. Um, that wasn't safe before. That was ingrained in me. I have such gut reaction to not showing up and to not being present. And it's still a struggle, but my little saying that I came up with this week to help me remove the clutter, which, you know, has been with me all my life, this like torrent of I don't even have that much stuff. It's just all over the place. And I think it was a big distracting element. Um, but I say to myself, every thing I move out of the house makes space for me to move into my life. And it's not little. For me, this is huge. So um, I am eternally grateful to you guys. And I also, with this have a really clear recognition, a reality check, that this is going to be a step-by-step journey, a long process, whereas I was getting so frustrated how long it was taking. But now I understand, accept, and will deliver with this journey that I'm on. And it's okay now. It's okay. The resist dropped. I just, I'm so grateful. And that's it for today. I'm going to land my little cub coming in for a landing. Okay, touchdown. Thank you, you guys. <laughs> You're such a joy. Uh, you know, we so appreciate you, Tazy. Um, Dr. Allison, did you want to uh, to add to this conversation? Sure. Um, you know, Tazy, one of the things I just admire so much about you is your willingness to put it out there because all of us learn and grow from each other's experiences. And so many of us hide the, the ugly, you know, or the, you know, we'll share the good, we'll definitely share the bad, but we won't share the ugly, the process, right? Um, so sharing that, I think, empowers so many of us to take the journey because that's where life is lived. You know, we think life is lived once we hit the goal, but we know that the brain works on the dopamine feed, meaning that once we achieve something or get something, we're already on to the next. And we've all had that where we had this goal that we've achieved. And it's like, really, this is it? And you might celebrate, but then it's like, well, what's next? And, and so the ability to sit and experience the emotion and the sadness and the loss and the fear, but then also to be aware of and the way you admitted it, uh, not admit it, but share that, you know, the, the queen has been uh, linked to horrible colonialism and imperialism that has harmed many people. 
And so, you know, earlier in the room, we had somebody who was very, um, you know, adamant about their opinion and expressing it, but not in a civil way. Um, and, and the fact that you can embrace the duality of emotion, that's what emotional um, regulation and self-soothing is about, is the civil exchange of differing opinions and, and understanding that sometimes there's not gonna be a reconciliation. The reconciliation could just be, I accept that you have these opinions and I don't share them, but I respect your right to hold them and to have them. And the sharing of your process through this, I think is so empowering, um, even for someone like me. And I hear people share breakthroughs all the time. It never gets old for me. I always want to celebrate and like, yes, this is awesome because all of us, no matter where we are in life, no matter how successful we, somebody thinks we are or we're not, or how young or old we are, whatever demographic group or whatever strata one feels that they align to, all of us are human beings. We all go through life and life is not always pretty and it's not always easy. But when we realize that everybody experiences these same feelings and situations, it's that one factor that brings us all together and is that the humanity of it all. And I just thank you and Marae always come to this room every Saturday and allow us to walk in your shoes. We walk with you while you walk in your shoes. And I, I think that's really why I know I, and I know all the other moderators are so look forward to having you on stage and share. So I'm incredibly grateful for um, you. I'm so glad you're seeing the ability to um, relieve some of the, the baggage. And it could be those books or things like that because the first few times you start to give things away, um, it's so painful and then it becomes empowering. And then sometimes with individuals I work with, I have to say, okay, you need to stop now. You can't live life with one pair of underwear and, you know, one shirt, <laughs> you know, we need to like, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place to, to stop. Um, and so it's, it's just a wonderful to me, I always talk about life, you know, people want to think about it in the white and the black and most of it's in that gray area and finding where it is for you. And you're, you're always willing to jump into that area and, and you, you might not have been earlier in your life, but you are now. And I think that's beautiful. And I celebrate you. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all. Thank you so much, Tay-Z. Just going to move you back into the audience, but I can't wait to have you back. And uh, Ame or Amy, how do you pronounce it? It's Ami. Hi. Hi, Ami. Uh, Ami, like, uh, well, Ami. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, uh, thank you for having me here. I am so excited to be on the stage because I have been listening to the replays, um, uh, you know, catching up from uh, however old they were. And I kind of feel like I have 
my uh, friends. <laughs> uh, so I have, I feel very um, uh, connected to you guys, all the advice you give, uh, the struggles you have shared, uh, both from the moderators as well as the participants. And um, it's, um, you know, because of time scheduling, I've not been able to join live. So today I kind of really made it a priority and just uh, made myself available. Uh, to, and also to kind of um, own the uh, the circle, kind of go from being uh, imaginary friends to real friends, uh, you know, where I can uh, not only uh, be like put my head on the chopping block and uh, really commit to certain things from an accountability perspective and and share weekly, kind of like how Tazy has been doing. That's a great model uh, where, you know, you're not jumping all over the place. You are, you're picking one area and really getting to the bottom of it. So um, there are some of those things that I've been working on my own and it would really help to, um, to make those tweaks along the way with uh, this wise group of uh, folks here. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to make that, um, uh, kind of obvious. And the other thing is um, that in my life, uh, so I'm a, a professor and a uh, and a medical consultant. I have my own company. So um, I, in my field, I have created a lot of uh, new uh, sort of uh, dimensions in our field. Uh, wherever there has been a, a gap, I have found solutions uh, for people and for organizations. So all that being said, it has always been very fascinating to me to see my own habit patterns and um, how they can be uh, self-sabotaging. And over the years, as I feel like I've gotten one step ahead of that sabotage, that inner sabotage has grown even one step stronger. So I feel like I'm always have battling that inner self. And just when I think I've got this handled, the the problem takes a new a uh, strong edge. Um, Taisy talked about resistance. Well, the resistance builds even stronger. So it's been kind of interesting when I can do so much for other people that I can't always do that for myself. Uh, or at least that's been my story. And I'm really now uh, taking on changing that narrative fully and um, and not letting any of that negativity get in. Like just because it hasn't worked for all these 40 some years doesn't mean it can't, you know, going forward. So this year I'm really committing to transforming some of those areas that have been stuck in my life. And, um, and it would be great to have this kind of really evolved group of people who are, uh, who are not just talking the talk, but you know, you guys are all living it. You have lived it and you are, so humble and so authentic that I feel like there's no sales pressure trying to buy anything. And, um, and like, as I said, being a leader in, in every area of my life, I don't always get to be humble and be vulnerable and, and say that, Hey, you know, I do some really dumb stuff myself, you know? And I mean, it, it doesn't always feel uh, like there's a space for that. So it's nice to be here and share um, and to be specific. So some of the areas that I'm taking on are um, organization and decluttering. I've also taken a new look at time management so that the stress management is part of that. 
um, so that I can own my own needs first before I do all this for other people. And part of that is also committing to daily fitness, daily, um, the uh, nutrition and fitness. They have been two of my oldest issues. And I really am, and you know, I've learned a lot on that journey. And now I'm really um, taking on finding that right balance where all of those elements come together and you know things don't go awry when i have um uh, the stresses increase or uh, when travel comes up and or, or when i'm like so caught up in helping others that i don't always um you know put on my own oxygen mask so um those are those areas okay i'm gonna i'm i'm, I'm done sorry i didn't expect it no that's wrong. okay that's uh, okay just, you, you're here for the first time we're so grateful um uh, do, do you have a particular question or do you want us just to launch into what you said because there's so much to unpack there well my question i guess right now is um waking up early <laughs> that is a pattern i'm trying to work with and uh I'm noticing that I'm doing that one, two, three, four, five launch, and it's not working. Um, the the resistance builds, and I'm uh, like just not. If I don't have an appointment, I'm not wanting to wake up and go take care of my early morning things that will empower me, including working out. So if you have some strong ideas about that, you know, absolutely, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First of all, Ami, I, I want to welcome you uh, as my moderators do. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for becoming part of the community. And uh, we're glad to have you here. It's so nice. What you said uh, too, um, I, I've got a few thoughts, but I'm gonna open it to my moderators. Do any one of my moderators want to start the conversation with Ami? All right, then I will. Um, you know what, Ami, I, it's, I ask myself at times, how bad do you want it? And this is a question that I ask myself, and I actually have a sticky note on my fridge reminding me how bad do you want it? I fast, my brother got me into fasting, and I look at it and sometimes I, I like to go for 36 hours once a week or whatever, and I remind myself by looking at my fridge, how bad do you want it? It's, there's lots of benefits to fasting and such. I have a guitar in my home here, and I've had this guitar with me for gotta be 25 years, and it's collecting dust. I don't know how to play it. I might know how to play three or four chords. I used to know how to play a song or two. I can sing, but I can't play the guitar. Why? I don't want it bad enough. I haven't put the time into becoming a guitarist to, to learn how to do it. And when I looked at that is why aren't you? Because every time I go to it, it's like I find an excuse. So, you know what, I, I don't want to do it or it hurts my fingers, whatever. All these excuses come pouring to me. And then I have to evaluate that and say, how bad do I want it? When Glenn uh, Morshauer, who is a regular in this room, drops in, he reminds us to examine the words that we use. And one of the words that you use um, that I've heard you use, Ami, is trying. I'm trying. It's time to say I'm doing, to replace the things, uh, the words that don't serve you. If you want it bad enough, you write it down. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. Not what I'm going to try to do, what I'm going to do. 
I am going to do this. And in the beginning, if it's something that you want bad enough, it's going to hurt or it may be difficult for you to do, but it's like anything. When you start to make it a habit, it gets that much easier. I have a morning routine that I talk about, and this is a good place to actually remind people, do you have a morning routine? And I'm asking this of Amy, and I'm asking this of each and every one of you. My morning routine, do you have a morning routine, Amy? I, I do. Well, again, on those days when I, it's an ideal morning, I do. I have, you know, meditation, journaling, focusing, I'm praying, um, you know, going for a walk, uh, workout. I mean, there's like elements of all of those things, sometimes all of the above, depending on, um, you know, how, if I woke up at 530. So that's been the sticky part. Like I'm not consistent with it. Okay. Well, we can't go to the gym once and expect to have a perfect body, right? So um, what, I, what I do, I wrote down the things that I plan to do uh, for my morning routine, you know, exercise and then drink water, do this. I have got a list of things. But more importantly, or just, I wouldn't say more importantly, just as importantly, it is that mental frame of mind that I want to get into. So when I wake up, I take a few moments to be grateful for what I have, to exercise my gratefulness. And that is something that a lot of people don't do. I think to be truly happy, we have to look at the things that surround us, the things that we have, and just to be grateful for it. There are three patterns of focus that people uh, may not exercise. Number one, do you focus on what you have or what you don't have? And this comes back to gratitude. You, fo you should be focusing on what we have. So take a few moments in the morning to be grateful for the fact that you woke up, you have a, a roof over your head, you have people who love you, whatever it is that you are grateful for, take a few moments to be grateful for that. And then I, I launch into just telling myself how my day is going to unfold. And for example, you're gonna have an amazing day, Paul. And I use my name in the third person. Paul, you're amazing. Paul, you're not gonna let anything get in your way. Paul, you're going to accomplish something today. And then what I talk about, and I wrote about this in my book, is that I look at our, our mind as having um, two closets and in those closets number one the one side of the closet has very very dark uh, clothing in it you want to keep that one closed that's regret those are past failures whatever it is you don't want to open that closet on the other end of the clo the closet is this beautiful beautiful garment it, it, it's just filled with those beautiful garments hope love gratitude success that's what you want to pick you want to pick what works for you for that day, the attitude that works. So my morning routine does not only include the physical, it includes the mental, the mental preparation for the rest of the day. And I believe that that's something that many people miss out on. They, they spend so much time deciding what they're going to wear uh, externally for the world that they're going to greet, but they don't take any time to clothe their inner mind their inner uh, attitude, whatever that is. And I think that that's really important for us to do. Um, 
do any one of my moderators want to add anything more to this uh, conversation? Yes, Dr. Allison, please. So, Amay, I just want to thank you for your share because, as I had said earlier, sometimes when we have uh, individuals come in the room who are so knowledgeable, so well educated, and they are vulnerable, it helps other people say, oh my gosh, if it if that person can be vulnerable, I can be vulnerable. So I really want to thank you for that. And I'm going to offer a little different take um, on, on this than Paul. Um, and I respect Paul. I learn from him every Saturday. It's amazing the amount of knowledge that he has and how easily he makes it accessible. But I would do a an experiment on yourself. Um, so I would uh, take a week and allow yourself to wake up whenever you choose and do whatever you want and take notes every day that you do that. Maybe choose, you know, a few days or an entire week. And then the next week, set the alarm for whatever time it is and, you know, make your schedule, whether it's working out or checking emails or, you know, eating a healthy breakfast or taking a walk or meditate, whatever that is. And then write down exactly how it felt, what you did, and, and take notes during the day of what you were able to accomplish or not accomplish, how you felt. And then on the third week, um, do a compare contrast because sometimes there's enlightenment. And if you do that without judgment, um, it's might allow you to get that impetus like, oh my goodness, I have these, um, this information, this is the way I felt, this is what I did. And a lot of times that allows people to really see um, the positives, the negatives, or the things that are not so important. You know, the Mel Robbins 54321 was done when she was um, so depressed she couldn't get out of bed. And she was laying in bed watching a, a NASA launch and she was watching them count down from 10. And then when they got to 54321, she realized, that rocket was going somewhere when that one hit and, and she thought I can launch myself out of bed and she tried that and has been successful. But for you, I think it would be maybe more insightful to find out and just do an, an, a nice dive into what would my day look like if I indulged myself or stayed in bed or what would my life look like if I was more disciplined? For some people, like for me, there are days when I am so disciplined, but then on the weekends, I allow that to be a little more lax just because um, I like that freedom of, of having um, the day be spontaneous and sort of, oh, wow, I could do this or this rather than the Uber scheduling. So I, I, I think maybe just embrace the, um, the learning opportunity here. I really like that, Dr. Allison. Thank you. Amy, did that help? Yes, thank you. I have some ideas. I'm going to um, play with them and uh, I will hope to report next week what I discovered. You bet. Thank you. You are welcome. I'm just going to tuck you back into the audience, but you are welcome back. So happy to have you as uh, a part of the family now. And speaking of family, we have been joined by our family members. We have been joined by Dr. Norman, Glenn, and Eleni. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, I would like to, before I go to Maggie, turn the microphone over to Dr. Norman for a brief introduction and then do the same for Glenn and Eleni. Over to you, Dr. Norman. 
Hi, Paul. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I've been working, but uh, found some time to just join and, and be a part of the family as, as I used to. I'm a clinical psychologist and I work particularly with trauma um, and crisis intervention in the lives of children and families. And um, I, I do my best to get here to be able to offer some support as well as receive support. Um, and I'm, I'm just happy to be able to, to be here today. Thank you, Paul. Well, Dr. Norman, thank you for being here because I know how busy you are. And for anyone who is not following uh, Dr. Norman on Instagram, I'm going to say you are doing yourself a, a disservice. Uh, it, he posts every day these most beautiful uh, themes and, and talks about life and, and uh, it, it's just worth seeing. So click on his picture there and follow the link uh, to his Instagram account and follow him. Listen to his uh, videos. Uh, he shares from the heart and always has. Dr. Norman, you are a blessing to this room and we love you so dearly. So thank you so very much. And for everyone else, you ought to be following this this angel and just uh, listening to what he has to say. It is enlightening. It is therapeutic. It is everything. So thank you, Dr. Norman. Appreciate you. Glenn, welcome. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Paul. I'm here. Uh, I, I love your description of Dr. Norman as an angel uh, because I think, I think he's really earned his wings in here and around Clubhouse in different rooms and I've heard him speak so many times and you know he refers to himself as a clinical uh, psychologist. I'm by that standard I too am a clinical actor. Uh, that's the clinic in which I operate and have been doing it for a very long time. May I offer, I'd like to spend less time with an introduction and offer a specific thought and Dr. Allison or Dr. Norman may have thoughts on this, or you might. But I've got something that I would like to offer this room, not in connection with anything anyone said because I wasn't here. I just came into the room. So this this is just a, a concept that I'm tossing out for consideration. May I do that? Absolutely. You are always welcome to do that. So... It has been my observation that it is unhealed parts of us that create sabotage. It is not the happy parts of us, right? When we're really and truly feeling good about ourselves, it's not like we rush out to find sabotage. So it occurs to me that one of the greatest ways to sidestep sabotage is to spend a designated day, and maybe you only need to do it for five minutes, or maybe it's something that you're going to move through over the course of a few hours. I mean, I, whether or not you operate uh, in the speed lane modality is something that varies, I suppose, from person to person. But I think that, that a well-spent day, whether it's a day or a portion of the day, is a day spent on personal forgiveness. Personal forgiveness. To let go of whatever you have been displeased with, I have been, we have been displeased with about ourselves in a certain circumstance or at a certain mile marker of our lives, a certain chapter 
and to go ahead and really and truly say the ill feelings that I have held about myself in regards to, with regards to that, I am now officially releasing. Because if and when I don't, those portions of personal disgust can rear their ugly head and go out and seek some sort of punishment for themselves because they are still there alive and well. And so I have just found that forgiveness is the key to so many things because something can't be completely fresh and new until we get the forgiveness that is necessary done and get the ailment out of there and the injury and the bruising and the hurt and the resentment, of course, is a big deal too, uh, resenting our own participation in something. But to just let it go because then there's not something within us that needs to go misbehave or that needs to feel deserving of punishment. And so it's very easy uh, to go metaphysically attract some punishment for the parts of us we dislike or that we're ashamed of or perhaps there's been deceit practiced and we feel that that deceit needs to be uh, because what it does whenever we're not proud of every aspect of who we are then it puts a ceiling on how much good we can inherit from the cosmos and that's directly linked to deservedness because if you don't really buy, if I don't really buy, again, if we don't really buy, and I'm making it completely ex you know, inclusive, if we don't buy that we deserve the good in our lives, then it is the part of us that doesn't buy that that is going to run it off. That is a, that is a textbook understanding of sabotage, where the not-so-good part of us run, runs off the efforts of the cosmos to bestow upon us all of the goodness that it had in mind. And we don't feel good enough within to accept it and to claim it as our own, so we run it off. And I think the key to healing that is personal forgiveness. Yes, we need to forgive other people. Um, usually it's not from an actual injury we need to forgive them from, it's from a perceived injury, something that we decided for whatever reason to take personally. Probably 50% of the time it wasn't intended as personal at all. It was just them being them. So those are some thoughts I want to throw out there, and I wish everyone the very best at forgiving themselves. Forgive yourself for whatever transgressions you may esteem yourself to have had because holding on to them is disrupting your present and your future. I'm Glenn, and I'm done. Glenn, I hope you're never done because you are one of those angels that we welcome into this room every time. I love this conversation. I love what you just had to say. It's in line with what Murray um, brought up a little bit earlier about uh, past transgressions and such. And you added such value to that whole thing. I just uh, I love the way that you word things. Uh, any one of my moderators want to add? Uh, yes, Dr. Norman, please. Glenn, thank you for bringing that up. And I do want to make sure that there's time for us to say hello to Eleni. I just, I wanted to say to you, Glenn, right on, 100%, in terms of w one of the greatest ways to heal ourselves from our, our stuff, our wounds, is uh, involving self-forgiveness. But I want to say this as kindly as I can. It's not as easy 
a process to execute and succeed at as it is to theorize. And I'll tell you why. If you read anything in the, in the oral law of the Jewish books, the Talmud, there's a phrase which says, a captor, I'm sorry, a captive cannot free himself from captivity. That comes out of Bav Brachos. He needs the help of another to release him from captivity. So when we hold ourselves captive by feeling angry and not forgiving ourselves, it's not so easy to say, I am now going to put time aside to do that. It's a beautiful, noble venture, but requires the help of a loving other that can help us see where we're not at fault. And sometimes that loving other may be a higher power if it isn't another person. I love what you're saying. I just don't want to simplify it because the journey can be a lifelong one, but absolutely one towards greater mental health. Well, thank you, um, Dr. Allison. Did you want to uh, add anything to this? Well, how, how do you follow two amazingly brilliant and kind gentlemen who are so wise? Um, the only thing I think I would like to add is um, in that in-between area um, sits compassion. And a lot of times before forgiveness can enter into a conversation, compassion for one's actions, one's thoughts, for the other, for the situation. Um, you know, I always think of St. Francis of Assisi, think to understand before you can be understood. Um, I think a lot of times that reflection is there, and I, I believe that that's what Dr. Norman is talking about. And in his newest book, he um, talks about this um, with, you know, references to um, ancient texts, Rumi as well. And um, I just find that having both, I, I mean, I agree with both gentlemen, um, you know, Glenn so beautifully put it, so much of our problems um, in self-sabotage come from, you know, traumatic childhoods and, and painful um, experiences, which we have not um, even understood uh, and maybe oblivious to, and then are recreating those patterns throughout our lives. And it does sometimes take somebody to say, hey, um, look what's going on here. You know, it maybe it's, it's something that you don't even, you're not even aware of. And, and that's where that, you know, opening and, and allowing of standing back from the judgment of self and others to sit there and just become aware and allow the cognitive, you know, conceptualization of what one's doing um, before one even delves into the why to then say, oh, okay. And then, then the, the compassion and then having a loving guide, as Dr. Norman so beautifully said, to allow you to start processing those feelings of forgiveness. So I'm just so grateful to be in this room of giants. As Robert said earlier, we always stand on the shoulders of giants. And I'm very aware of the fact that Dr. Norman and Glenn are brilliant uh, giants of knowledge. Thank you, Dr. Allison. And you uh, started your comments off with how do you follow these two great giants? You follow it with another giant, just like yourself, and you followed it beautifully. So thank you. 
And that's beautiful. Eleni, did you want to add something? I did want to add something. Hello, everybody. You know, for me, it's about if one keeps looking back, they get stuck. If you constantly are holding on, then you get held in yourself. So the most important thing is to just be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself. It's only about by our mistakes that we actually learn life experiences that allows us to have wisdom, allows us to see what it is, to create that empath within us. And for me, all I've ever felt, if one keeps looking back, you really do get stuck. If you go too forward and try and do it all in one go, it becomes unmanageable. So for me, it's about giving yourself chores a day, even if it's for some people to forgive somebody or just to love yourself or to be kind to yourself about living in the moment and letting go on a daily basis so that you can find that freedom within yourself. And I'm Eleni. having a problem with my microphone here. Thank you, Eleni, that was a great ad. Um, Robert, did you want to add anything or Candice before we go on? All right, so uh, Robert, over you. Yeah, yeah no, it's, um, I, I, was, uh, I was enjoying the, uh, the exchange very much. Uh, what occurred to me, and I, I, I so appreciate uh, Dr., uh, uh, Dr. Norm's uh, sensitivity, but to me, it seems to me as well, I think uh, um, Dr. Allison touched on this and I just thought I'd just go one step further. I think the ability to, to empathize, the ability to have compassion uh, before, we give, before we move to forgiveness, oftentimes depends on our own brokenness. It seems to me that when we ourselves have been particularly broken in a particular space, something has happened to us that we have been so grievously wounded. Um, I think it, it enhances our ability to show empathy, to show compassion, and therefore to show forgiveness. Just wanted to add that uh, that little element. Well, thank you, bro. That was a great ad. Uh, so yes, thank you. What a great conversation, uh, Dr. Norman. Yeah, um, I wanted to just agreed agree with everything, and, and I'm not at all disagreeing with my esteemed friend and colleague, Glenn. I I, I completely believe in the words you say. I I just want everyone to recognize that the journey can really take a lot of time, and. Many of you may know that I teach a class uh, uh, in the School of Divinity at Columbia. So I, I utilize the, the New and the Old Testament a lot. And in the Old Testament, the word for forgiveness is nose. But if you really take a look at the word, if you translate it, nose really doesn't mean forgive. It means to carry. So what does that say? It suggests to us that we need to carry our own sins so that we can finally forgive ourselves. Now, if you take a look at the reflexive verb of to carry, to carry oneself, it would not be translated that way. The Hebrew reflexive of noseh actually translates as to be born aloft, to rise above. What am I saying? I'm suggesting that when we own our own mistakes, when we carry them on our own, we rise above them and we become more wise, 
we have a much clearer view of the world around it, around us, and we are forgiven. Beautiful. Thank you. Eleni, did you, uh, are you applying yeah, or did you want you know, to add? And for all of us, you know, we've all got our own fingerprints. We are all individual. There are some people that will find it much more difficult to be able to come out of that trauma and to be able to move into a new place. There are other people that can do easily and effortlessly. I mean, we all have our own stories, but it all goes back to as well, not just the forgiveness, but the mindset, what you speak over yourself, how you are in yourself, how to take yourself out of that victim, to be able to put yourself in a place of a great survivor, where then, you can witness and share and lift up others and allow them to receive the blessings in life that actually all of us should receive daily because we are here to be abundant but it's our mindset and it's to do with our traumas and for some of us it's easy and some of us not so. So for me, it always goes back to being mindful what you speak over yourself, forgiving yourself, loving yourself, and doing the best that you can for you. When you smile at someone, they'll smile back at you. It's as simple as that. Start feeling better about you, and your whole vibration will change. I love it. I love it. And uh, in our earlier conversation uh, with uh, Murray and Taisy on this very topic of going back into the past, Robert uh, added something to this as well, is that we, we, are, we are different people than we were uh, way back when. And when, when we've done something wrong in the past, we're no longer those people. Uh, Robert came up with a beautiful quote, you cannot step in the same river twice. And, and that was said by, who was that, Robert, that said that? And if you could explain that, if you're there. Sure, bro. Sure, I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, that was Heraclitus. Heraclitus was one of the pre-Socratic philosophers. He wrote around 535, 550 BC. He, he's well known for uh, knowing, uh, for stay, stating that you cannot step into the same river twice because it is not the same river. And you are not the same man. So that's uh, that's kind of where that comes from, bro. Yeah, I love Robert, that. I hope to God that he was soaking wet when he made that statement. He actually was <laughs> looking for a life jacket. Uh, Glenn, it's too bad you weren't there to talk about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Great. What a great conversation. So thank you very, very much. Beautiful. And uh, so thank you. Um, Maggie. You have been waiting very patiently, and I would love to turn the microphone over to you if you are there. Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for um, giving me the time. Um, I, as a quick introduction, uh, by the way, I'm fairly new to Clubhouse, and the reason I'm here is all Taisy's fault. <laughs> she has been urging me in this direction for quite some time. I've known Taisy since I was two years old. We lived across the street from one another, and her mother and grandmother were a big part of my childhood. So um, we have a long, long history. Um, <clears throat> I want to first thank you for this room as well. Um, I have been listening for a few weeks now, and I'm finding the room inspiring, educational, 
informative, and I think mostly very pertinent to our shared experience in this time and place. Um, so rooms like this are, uh, in my mind, can't, the importance can't be understated. So um, my background, I, I'm I'm, call, I'm speaking from Seattle. <laughs> um, I have spent the last 30 years um, working in the banking industry and in April retired from that industry. Um, during my tenure, my forte really emerged in people development, um, leadership, and at, during the last few years of the pandemic, I led six teams of essential workers through the pandemic, and it took its toll, as you can well imagine. <clears throat> so um, that's kind of where I sit now. I am, I have quietly and excitedly embarked on a coaching and um, consulting business. Um, I just have a few clients to date because it's new, but I'm finding it to be um, a natural expansion of the people development and coaching that I did at work for the past 30 years. So um, that my situation today, and I apologize, I'm sounding a bit nervous because I'm in a moment of trauma. Um, and by the way, I'm willing to share the ugly Dr. Allison. <laughs> I've never been shy about that. Um, <clears throat> and I want to give a trigger warning out of courtesy. Part of the story that I'm about to share does include the topic of suicide. And for those who that is um, not something you want to hear, I want to alert you that this is uh, in play um, and something that occurred this week. <clears throat> so my um, situation is that um, I've moved into a new phase of life. Um, I am a single parent. I have been a single parent for about 25 years now of two children. The younger of the two is 31 years old and struggling, has been struggling ever since, well, for a while, but <clears throat> in a pretty deeply since COVID began and has not been able to consistently hold down a job um, and has become an increasing sense of concern and worry for me as a parent. Um, what has occurred during this last couple of years is this pattern of um, his, my ex-husband and me and even my daughter um, helping him out financially to make ends meet. Um, there's a lot more in play. There are some gender identity um, situations going on and so on. But <clears throat> the core issue is that I don't feel that my son can support, well, he can't support himself now. Um, he has uh, put a very big barrier up, um, and the only time he contacts me um, is to ask for money, but refuses to share any personal information about what's going on, or very, very, very little. Um, the mo most recently, he told me that he has three conditions that are making it impossible for him to work, and his housemate informed me that he has completely stopped looking. Um, the conditions uh, seem to be a mix of physical and mental health issues. So this has been, uh, frankly, none of us can afford to pay all of his expenses. The last 
a couple of weeks ago, he told me that he'll likely be homeless before the year is out, and I sincerely doubt he would survive on the streets. So again, this is the ugly. Sunday night, I got a text that he attempted suicide and was <clears throat> in the hospital. So I drove to the emergency room, was refused admission. They were worked. I couldn't see him because they were working on him. Um, I'm happy to say he survived. No severe harm done, um, to my knowledge. Um, and it is my understanding that he has now been released. But <clears throat> I am in a, so that is the situation right now. Very, very volatile. And my question on the table is it has, you know, I realized that um, how, well, I realized I had a realization that his father and I have extremely different parenting philosophies. And there has been a tendril all of these years that um, I, out of courtesy, was trying to continue to co parent. But he and I do not see eye to eye at all. In my family, we always have one another's backs. Um, in his family, it's, you know, step up, uh, pull yourself together. When you're 18, you're on your own. And I can't go there on per, based on my personal values. So my question, and I apologize that it's a big one, it's a big, massive one, is do you have insights? on how to shift my parenting or how to reframe my parenting style in this current circumstance with an adult child who very much is uh, demanding independence, but who is in deep crisis. And me, who is in a lifestyle change where I don't have the income levels to support, it's absolutely not sustainable. And there's no question that, he, that I don't have a place to take this person in either. So big one. Sorry. That's <laughs> to be, make that my first <laughs> visit. But that's weighing on me very heavily right now. Maggie, don't be sorry for that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing and for being vulnerable. And what a, what a question and what a situation that you find yourself in. I'm going to ask uh, any one of my moderators to uh, to start this conversation off with any ideas, if you have any for, for Maggie. Anyone? Okay. Um, you are in a, a very difficult situation. I, I, while you were talking, I could so understand the, the well, the, the difficulty of dealing with a child who doesn't open up and who just reaches out to you for the financial support and is struggling on their very own uh, to uh, with their mental wellness and with their physical wellness and um, it appears and it sounds like he's uh, he's incapable I, I think of really truly um, supporting and helping himself and I, I, I wow um, I don't know where to begin on this one. Um, is it, has he sought professional help for his circumstances right now? Has he gone to, to a therapist and, uh, and opened up the channels of communication there? Um, I believe so. Um, uh, to, in full transparency here, 
Um, I'm using male pronouns on his direct request. However, um, I know that he is in, he's trans, he he's, identifies as female. Everybody else uses female pronouns. And um, so he is working with medical professionals on hormone therapy, going through this situation at the moment right now. Um, he doesn't give me much information. It is my understanding. I sometimes get old mail for counseling services, certainly through the hospital. Um, I spoke with a social worker who was working with him. I know that they equipped him with referrals and so on, but I don't know how proactive or how, how he is at this moment. His housemate does communicate with me and has expressed frustration that um, he is not, her opinion is he, he, he's refusing to, you know, medicate for whatever this, you know, one of whatever conditions, it might be anxiety, depression, I'm not sure, I'm the one armchair psychologist this, but I think it's something of that nature. Um, so I don't have enough information. I'm hoping this, I know about my child that he's always ready to seek medical help um, when ill. He, he, he very much believes in medical professionals. He's not one who avoids medical care. So that gives me some hope. Yes, it does. And uh, Dr. Allison, I would like to add to this conversation, and uh, I'm happy that she's here to do so. Dr. Allison, over to you. Hi, Maggie. I, I was going to jump in, but I wanted to, the minute that you gave a disclaimer that it was about suicide, it is Suicide Prevention Month, and today is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, so I wanted to make sure I put resources in the chat for anybody who needed them. Um, you know, you're in a situation where it's it's very difficult because you're a mother of a child who um, is struggling. And of course, we want to scoop up our children and hold them dear to our heart. Um, but we also want them to be autonomous and, and fly. And it's it's difficult, especially when your partner is not necessarily on board. So I, I would say that if your friends um, are not enough that to seek support for yourself because you're advocating um, two very difficult situations, a, uh, a partnership, uh, your relationship, uh, um, but also your, your child's mental and physical health. The other resource I did not put in the um, chat yet is uh, the Trevor Project actually has online counselors and um, they talk about LGBT uh, youth suicide rates and um and what to do um but if if somebody is at harm um of self-injury or injuring others of course call 911 immediately if you're in the united states make sure that they are and if you don't want to call 911 because of the police then call for a welfare check um i've done this with um many colleagues actually because i uh, have to consult throughout the state of california and you know if we have somebody who hasn't shown up for work and we're unable to reach the person, we call for a welfare check, making sure the person is okay. And that it's a little less, um, uh, I think frightening for the person who's making the call. Um, but what happens is that 
usually a mental health professional along with a police officer is dispatched. And if they feel that the person is at, uh, at risk for harming themselves, then they will um, bring them to a, an emergency room to be um, uh, checked out. So um, I would say the first thing is to um, call your primary care provider insurance company and, and get counseling for yourself because going through this alone when you're feeling that you don't have the support or the you're not in alignment with your partner that's this is and i know dr norman could probably speak more to this with his experience but um when we're not on board and we're not a concerted team when we're you know t working with our children it's very difficult um and this is where we have this cacophony and this disconnect because this is where you have um, the good parent, bad parent situation, or, you know, and it's, 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 it's almost untenable at times. So I would first make sure that you're supported because if your well is empty, you can't pour into your child and you can't be a present partner. Um, and then from there, you know, you can then map out what is going to be, um, how do I negotiate my my partnership with my spouse and then how do we support our child and whether it's a, a minor child or a major child it's always your child you know my mom is you know I'm an adult but my mom is still my mom <laughs> and, and uh, I, I still you know need and want her goodwill and opinion and uh, I seek that out and um, and she still at times treats me as if I'm a child, but that's the beauty of that relationship is the negotiation, the back and forth. And I just feel right now that you need that support. Um, and I think whether it's a counselor or therapist, even your medical provider, whoever can support you in negotiating what you're going to need to do to keep yourself, um, you know, healthy, mentally healthy, physically healthy, and then to um, negotiate both relationships. I think you cannot do that when you are not in a good place. And so I think it's really important to make sure that you're taking very good care of yourself. Um, and so if you want me to put in the link to the Trevor project as well, I can, and your son can call those. Most of these um, resources are 24 seven. You can call text them. So um, Maggie, if you just like flash your mic, I will definitely put that link in the chats as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Allison. What great advice. Um, anyone else from the moderating team want to add to this conversation? Okay, um, I truly um, appreciate what Dr. Allison said about uh, really taking care of yourself. There are times where I believe that we're all faced with a situation where we feel almost helpless and uh, helpless to help. There are certain things that are within our control and certain things that are not within our control. When we worry um, that maybe we're not doing enough, sometimes we're worrying far um, out of, of what's necessary. We really have to take care of ourselves and know that there are certain things that we can't do, but you're doing everything you possibly can. And uh, you should never hold yourself, uh, you know, I guess, beat yourself up for not doing as much as you're doing, because you are. And the fact that you love your son and the fact that you are supporting him and helping him, 
Um, there are certain things that you can do. And, and, and financially, I know what that's like because from my personal experience, I have a daughter uh, who uh, has called upon me financially. And there were times where I just could not help. And it's just because I had to take care of myself. And it's like uh, what was said a little bit earlier. Sometimes we have to put the mask on ourselves um, first, and then we can help out in whichever way. But sometimes it's not always in the ways that other people expect from us. But um, I love what Dr. Allison said as far as reaching out and, and getting the support and help that you need. And just by being here, Maggie, um, yes, uh, I hope that this has helped in, in some way. How do you feel about that, Maggie? Yeah, you're resonating with my instincts. And uh, Dr. Allison, um, to one point of clarification, I am divorced and have been for 25 years. So um, this is long distance kind of co-parenting because we still share, share children. So it's a little slightly different dynamic. My ex-husband lives in Santa Barbara, so not close by, but we're still friends. So it's not a bad relationship. I just realized some core value differences that occurred to me during this situation. So that's one element. But I do think that there is a friendship relationship and a shared responsibility in place still. Um, and uh, also to reassure you, I did contact my primary caregiver and and met with a um, you know a mental health representative and that process has begun so I want to um, great minds think alike I, I did go that path so I wanted you to um, uh, know that thank you for affirming the actions that I took I am not aware of Trevor project so that is very helpful thank you um, I just want to congratulate you for taking care of yourself i love that you contacted your primary care giver and definitely um if you can get references for you know a counselor or therapist in case you need one but i would also have a conversation with your you know your ex um because to be on the same page you know i my first part of my career i worked with um individuals uh, substance and alcohol abuse and it's really hard to be the parent of uh, an alcoholic adult child um, just because, you know, the boundaries, you know, the, the legal responsibilities and, um, and the ramifications. And I still work with criminal defense attorneys um, who've been hired by parents of adult children who've gotten into a lot of trouble and ended up in jail. And, and so it's important to make sure that team is in place and that you guys are on the same page because I feel that when I work with the families who are, you know, tasked with cleaning up the wreckage of uh, their adult child's life, um, uh, sometimes a lot of stress is because they haven't communicated what they, those values are. And the fact that you have this relationship with your um, the father of your child is is awesome, but I would definitely have a conversation about um, contingencies, what to do if, and all of these things. And if they're in play, um, the unfolding of it is going to be a lot easier for the two of you to work with your, your adult child. Um, it just makes life a little easier when the plan is in place, um, contingencies are there, and you have that you know, it takes a village. You have that village there so that 
um, shoring up any gaps or any leakages. So I love what you've done and please come back every week um, because we definitely want to hear um, what's going on with you um, because you're one of Tazy's friends, you're one of our family and we love our family members here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Tacey is beloved. <laughs> that last piece of advice was powerful. Thank you. Um, I think that I hadn't quite brought myself there. This week was emotional and um, yeah, I fell into a teary, you know, a lot of teary moments and kind of felt a bit stalled out, which is when I sought help. So. Um, Yes, I, I will be back, and I know this is a much longer saga, but that's a glimpse in the window of what is on my plate right now. Thank you, Dr. Norman. Yeah, Maggie, I, I'm just gonna jump in at this one moment. I do hear that it, you're saying it was a very bad, a tough week, and it was a, a teary week. But I beg you to reconsider and reframe what that means. It doesn't mean that you were stalled in any way. It means that you were working very, very hard. Remember, the, 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 the brain grows through intellect and, and the body grows through muscle, but the soul grows through observation and experience. So if you're going to have a week of tears, please allow yourself to know you just gave your soul a very necessary workout. There was no stalling whatsoever. There's always work towards a better future. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Norman. Maggie, does that help uh, what um, Dr. Allison and, and Dr. Norman have shared? That was absolutely beautiful. You just brought me to tears again, Dr. Norman. Thank you. No, you were, you're welcome. They're, they're good tears. They're healing tears. You know, there was a, yeah. there was a study that was done um, on rats, and they discovered that when rats, um, I'm sorry, that's not... When human beings cry, there are enough toxins coming out to kill a rat, which means that it's necessary for us to let a lot of that out. There is dopamine, there are endorphins in the tears, but there are also so many other chemical poisons that are really needing to be released. So you're never doing nothing. It's probably you're doing a lot when you think you're doing nothing. Mm, I like that. Uh, Glenn uh, Morshauer, who just left a few moments ago, he talks a lot about the power of crying and just letting it all out as opposed to keeping it in. And it's so very, very true. And Maggie, um, I, I can't imagine um, and I'm trying to imagine the things that you're going through and how difficult it is. And I so appreciate that you came up and that you shared with us and that we had um, some some wonderful moderators here who were able to add to the conversation. So please do join us again and um, let us know how things are going. It's not an easy thing uh, to go through at any time with a child who uh, who is in a situation like yours. And the most we can do is do our very best within what we can do. And sometimes there are certain things that we cannot do, certain things that are not within our control. But you have been doing everything that has been within your control. And uh, you are always welcome to join us here and uh, to share how you're feeling. And I think that that's part of the release that we all need to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Can, can you see me? Can you feel me? Can you hear me? 
we see you, we feel you, and we hear you. And we send you our very best because um, you deserve it. And uh, you're not alone, Maggie, you're not alone. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're doing something to help yourself through this very thing. Being here is part of that. So you're a warrior, Maggie. Thank you so much for being here. Any one of my moderators want to add anything more? Maggie, thank you so much. Will you be joining us next week? Uh, yes, I intend to. Um, <laughs> sometimes I forget, but yes. Well, <laughs> that is my plan. It's a new routine for me on Saturdays. <laughs> well, I, I see that. I see that you you just started uh, using this wonderful platform called Clubhouse, and you're always welcome. And if you forget, that's okay. We're still yes. going to be here, but join us whenever you can. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. All right, going to move you back into the audience. So thank you so much. Um, our final speaker of the day is Lori. But before we go to Lori, and Lori, thank you for being so very patient and for being active on this application. I see your your emojis, the ones that you, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you. You're listening. You're part of it. I wanted to turn the microphone first over to Eleni for an introduction because we heard from Eleni, but she didn't really get a chance to introduce herself. And then over to uh, my friend Lisa as well. So over to Eleni. Are you available for an introduction, Eleni? Sure. Um, so I'm Eleni. My background from the age of seven uh, was in TV and theatre and music, um, which was an incredible gift to be given. And then um, in later years, through an adversity of a fire where I had painted all of my beautiful doors, I had a fire and everything burnt to the ground and I had no content insurance, was actually left with nothing but a nighty and my daughter the same. But what a wonderful gift to actually lose all my past, step into my future and discover that from that, I actually could become an, an artist, a painter by buying canvases at the time and being rehoused in a fully furnished home. So um, ever since then, I have been working with different charities and everything I earn, I give 10% to. I worked for five years with brain surgeons um, and neuroscientists, which was absolutely incredible. And that's why for me, the brain is a really powerful tool that can work for you or against you. And I work with a particular charity that takes children who are traumatized in life out of being a victim, but being into a successor through their trauma and tragedy. So really, life is a blessing. And I'm so happy I can be here with mutual friends and be able to pour in a little bit of light in people's darknesses. Eleni, we are so grateful uh, whenever you drop in and for your shares as well. And thank you for reminding us of something that many of us forget. Life does not only happen to you, sometimes it happens for you. And sometimes through our greatest devastations come our greatest transformations. And we have to look at things and say, okay, that was bad but what happened as a result of it? Or who did I become as a result of the difficulty that I went through? And you have turned 
so much around and you are there to support and help others. And if if anybody just clicks on Eleni's uh, uh, picture there, go to her Instagram profile and take a look at the art that she creates, the beauty that she creates in her art. Uh, she actually um, created a book cover for our wonderful Dr. Norman, who has a book. I'll see if I can post it up there. But um, it's just absolutely beautiful. So thank you for that reminder, Eleni. Um, just uh, sometimes life happens not only to you, it happens for you. And so thank you for being here. Really appreciate you. Lisa, are you there? Are you there, Lisa? And perhaps she is not, but when she comes back, I'll give her the microphone if we have time. But we're going to turn it over to Lori. Lori, welcome. Thank you so much. What an amazing room. This is my first time here. And uh, I was just uh, lurking the hallways. Um, just And I was just led. I was led to this room. Um, I, I, first of all, I just I want to speak into Marcy just for a moment. Um, and there's just been so much. I, I can just feel the love and the compassion and the wisdom um, from the speakers in this room. And I'm so grateful for that. And Marcy, I just want to say that... Um, you know, no matter how old our kids are, my daughter's 38. And I learned this lesson when I was in my mid thirties, when I get so irritated with my dad, you know, seeming to, to speak to me in such a way that I felt like he wasn't respecting me as an adult. He didn't think I could do things on my own. And I was divorced. I was a single, you know, I am a single mom until I realized that it didn't matter how old I was. He was always going to be my dad. And you know, for better or worse, you know, he was just trying to be there and let me know that, that he loves me. So as a mom, my heart goes to you and, you know, just to continue to be there to love your children. That's the best thing that we can do. Um, there's so much that I could say. <laughs> and I think where I just, I would like to pick up, um, there were a couple of things that, that and I forget who, which doctor it was, I don't know, it was Robert, talking about our, our mindset and our perception. And he said something that made me think about this podcast that I was listening to and how we view um, the trials in life. And from a, from a faith perspective, I happen to follow Jesus. Um, and, and I was listening to a podcast of a teacher who has gone to Israel many, many times and teaches the Bible from that perspective. And she talked about how there's a phrase that when people are going through the wilderness, they're looking for um, the midbar and the bovar, or it's vice versa. I, I don't remember. So basically they were, they were looking for the word in the wilderness. And I really connected with that. And I think that's kind of what was, was spoken before. And I, if I think about the topic, like how this room is named, in life, there is adversity. The question becomes, how am I going to view that? Am I going to view that as an opportunity or am I going to view that as a barrier, as an obstacle, as a reason to not move forward in my life? And there's a lot of things that go on in our heads. You know, from the time that we're very young, um, our belief system is, is you know, we start to generate that we have a story, but that story can always be penned. 
a different way. We are the ones who are holding that pen, but you have to understand that you are the one reading that pen, or are you, you going to turn that pen over to somebody else? Well, I think you, you said something to that effect too, that, that you made me think about that. And so, and that, that's not to minimize the challenges or the adversities in our life, but they really are opportunities. And it's much like the analogy, and I think I'll, I'll land here, the analogy that I have long used in my own life and in conversations that I've had with people is that is this. You take a piece of clay and you mold it into something. You're the potter, you're molding that clay. The only way that it holds its shape is if you put it in a fire. If you don't put it in the fire, you can mold it into other things. So for me in my life, the things that I'm going through, the things that are difficult, the things that burn, the things that hurt are molding me and holds it taking shape. And the cool part about that process is, is I'm always growing. I'm always learning. I'm always being shaped into this vessel. And in that vessel, what I want to be able to pour out is contained. So love and kindness and compassion and empathy for myself and for other people. And that was said earlier, too, is the compassion that you have for yourself, Right. But sometimes I also need to, in that container, give myself a kick in the butt because I don't want to stay in a place where I'm feeling, where I'm starting to feel so bad that it's going to get in the way of the opportunities that I have to learn and grow. So thank you for this space. I'm real excited. I, this is a space that I want to come back to and, and whether I get to contribute or I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm learning. Thank you so much for holding this space. And with that, I yield my mic. Well, thank you, Laurie, and thank you for joining us. And Dr. Norman, I'm going to turn it over to you. Laurie, thank you for your, uh, your beautiful share. I wanted to just um, confirm for you that the expression you, you heard from your friend who came back from Israel is which basically is translated as the word inside of the desert, the word inside of the wandering. The the word midbar means speech in Hebrew, and bamidbar is desert, which is actually the third Hebrew title, the, the Hebrew title of the third book of the five books of Moses. But from a metaphoric perspective, the sages are suggesting that it's in the it's in the wilderness that we find the word. It's in our moments of being lost that we will ultimately hear the still, small voice. The midbar, the word, according to the Old Testament, is the word of God. It doesn't mean that it has to apply that to everybody, but your expression is very beautiful, and it gets us to really to think when we're most lost, maybe God is really trying to find us. It's not man in search of God as much as God in search of man and woman. So I thank you for that, Laurie. I also want to... Uh, validate and dovetail on your beautiful metaphor of, uh, of of clay in a kiln, because we speak in psychotherapy, at least I do, in a lot of Jungian language. And Carl Jung used to call psychology the alchemy of emotion. And the ancient alchemists did exactly what you say. They would purify and refine chemicals and metals by placing them in a container that would ultimately be so hot they became purified. And that's the alchemy of metal, but the alchemy according to Carl Jung, as well as folks who study and follow him, is that the therapeutic experience itself is 
creating that container. I often uh, liken the experience of, of psychotherapy as, as potter and clay, and together we are working to create a new vessel. But to take old language, Jung himself said, if you can create a, a holding space, which is a term we use often on Clubhouse, for the patient and the therapist to look at the emotions and really let them boil, there's going to be a refinement and a purifying. And that is very painful. It's very literally said, it's not easy to be in hot water. But we're in hot water a lot of the time, but hot water takes away a lot of the poisons. Thank you for being here. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Norman. That was beautiful. And Lori, I, I agree. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your share. And I hope to see you next week. Just going to move you back into the audience. And Lisa, are you are you uh, available to speak, Lisa? Perhaps not. So uh, we've come to the end of the room. What I would like to do, since we only have a few moderators on uh, deck right now, is to thank each and every one of my moderators who have been here. Thank you for joining us and for sharing. You guys are a light. Uh, I know that you, you shine a light into my life every time you're here. And to everyone who's joined us on stage and who has opened up and shared, uh, I appreciate you. I'm so... I'm so humbled and uh, I, I learn so much from each and every one of you. And it reminds me of something that I say, uh, two great lessons that I learned um, when I first became a cop, things that I knew before, but it wasn't until I became a police officer and started to work with people and started to imagine what it would be like uh, for me to come into their life in, in, this, in the form of a detective or in the form of a, a uniform officer uh, you, how would I feel if this man came to me and asked me what I had just gone through? And when I say that, I worked in the Special Victims Unit, and it was my job to ask victims of horrific crimes to tell me what had happened. And it wasn't an easy thing, as we know. And when somebody opens up and tells you what's going on, uh, it, it's the way in which you are. Um, we have great therapists here, and, and, and Dr. Norman, I know that um, people open up when you are someone who invites them uh, through your soul, through your heart, to open up to you. And the two lessons that I learned, um, number one, we are more similar than we are different. And I know that this is something I knew before I became a cop, but it was only reinforced when, well, I shouldn't say only, it was reinforced when I became that police officer to imagine what it must be like to walk into the shoes of the person that you're, uh, that you're communicating with or that you're there to support and help. What would it be like to be them? Then I asked myself what it would be like if I were experiencing this because we are more similar than we are different. The other lesson, the second lesson, is that um, we get what we give. And when we open up and we share our experiences with others, others are welcomed to open up and share their experiences with us. And so you get what you give, and we are more similar than we are different. Everybody has a cross to carry. Everybody has a fire that they're walking through. Everybody has something that is concerning to them. Let's just remember to support one another, to help one another, because we are in this together. 
We were not born into pods, not like the matrix. We were born into families. We were, we were supported when we were young, when we were infants, we were cared for. And I believe that that is a message to each and every one of us to remind ourselves that there are people there that can care for us, that can help us, that we can unburden ourselves to, that can lend us an ear or give us some support or point us in the right direction. So thank you each and every one of you for being here to my audience, to our audience, to everyone who has been listening. Thank you for being here. You are welcome to join us any, anytime. I want to uh, turn the microphone over to my moderators for final thoughts before I close the room. Eleni, are you available just to give a couple, maybe a minute or so of, of your thoughts as to what we should be thinking about or doing for the next week? just how to how to beat our self-sabotage. Go ahead, Eleni. You know, Rome was not built in a day and with all things, it takes time. One of the most important things is, is to be kind to you and to yourself. You know, I always think sometimes we say things to ourselves, God forbid we ever said it to a friend, they would be horrified. So for me, it really is about being mindful of what you speak over yourself, being kind to yourself, being your best friend. Try not to keep looking back because you just get stuck. Try not to go too forward because life becomes unmanageable. Stay in the day. Give yourself a couple of things just every day, two things to do. If it's just to be kind to you or if it's just to go and visit someone or give someone a call or a job that you've got to do, try and limit yourself so therefore the rest of the time you spend being really kind to yourself. You know, we all have our own stories and we all have our own difficulties, but it really is about mindset, being kind to yourself, and just knowing life is actually working for us, not against us. It's just about what you're telling yourself. Be kind and love yourself because you are worthy of all the blessings in the world and all that God, the source, whatever you want to call it, it's there for you to be blessed. So grab hold of it and be kind to yourself. Thank you, Eleni, and thank you for joining us week after week and for pouring into people the way that you do. Thanks for the reminder to be kind and loving to ourselves because we, you're absolutely right. We, we spoke of this before you dropped into the room earlier is that you wouldn't go to a friend and, and tell them that they were ugly, tell them that they were uh, losers, tell them all these things. You wouldn't go to someone you love and tell them all these terrible, shameful things. Why do you do it to yourself is the question. Why, why do so many people look at themselves in the mirror and say, I'm such a loser or whatever? It's time that we just change the narrative. Uh, uh, Lisa, I'm going to come to you in just a moment. Dr. Norman, did you want to add anything to... Um, uh, to the conversation so that we can for, go forth with our week? Yeah, thank you. Um, I love listening to Eleni speak. It's angelic and, and incredibly wise. I wanted to add to what Eleni said, that there are times when, and, and this is in light of what I told Lori, 
there are times when we are holding space, uh, or perhaps, as Laurie said, um, carving out the clay, that we don't necessarily need to use words. And sometimes silence is so difficult for so many of us, but that's how we purify our emotions. So I find myself often sitting in silence with another for very long stretches of time. And I just like everyone to appreciate that from my perspective, it is really healing to speak only when it enhances the power of the silence. So much is happening just in terms of the energy between you and the other person. That, that love is as healing as any words that you can say. So if you don't have words, that's okay. You have love. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Norman, and thank you for joining us. Uh, you're, you're a bright light, and uh, as, as was said earlier, you're one of the giants, so thank you for being here. Lisa, are you with us? I, I called on you a little bit earlier, but I know that you were probably occupied. Are you there? And she is not. Okay, so thank you, everyone. Uh, Eleni, did you want to say yeah, something? Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, that Dr. Norman is an incredible light bearer a beautiful enlightened soul and for any of the people down below who've not read his incredible book please get hold of it it has a lot of different tools for one to use to understand so much about oneself um, you know, I just feel honored to have been on this app and to have met so many incredible light bearers, as well as many that have masks and not as they seem. But, um, you know, what it says on the bottle is exactly what Dr. Norman is. And I just want to really, really lift him up and just say that you are, Dr. Norman, an incredible, enlightened, wise soul. And I love it when I'm in the rooms with you and just connect on that vibration. God bless you, sweetheart. Well, I just want to take this moment to thank you so much. I, I appreciate the, the lifting. I do. I very much do. I'm also human and I carry a lot of burdens. So your statement is very, very healing. Thank you. Well, thank you both. And uh, I, I just want to, uh, to say that I agree with both of you. Um, I think you're both amazing people and <laughs> so glad to have you join us in this family because we, we get so much from each other. And we're reminded too that we are, I want to remind everybody we are more similar than we are different. Remember that everybody has something that they're, they're dealing with. And when you come to rooms like this, it's, it's safe for you to open up to us. And I so appreciate you. Uh, I started a little bit earlier by talking about three patterns of focus. And I only got to one and the conversation got so, so amazing that uh, I kind of dropped the other two. But here are three patterns of focus for you to think of. They're questions, and I want you to, to give this some thought as you go forth in your, in your week. Number one, do you focus on what you have or what you don't have? Number two, do you focus on what you can control or do you focus on what you can't control? And number three, do you focus on your past, your present, or your future? 
answer these questions. Because if you're focusing on the things that you don't have, you're focusing on the wrong things. If you're focusing on the things that you cannot control, again, you're focusing on something that is not within your control. Number three, if you're focusing on your past or your future and neglecting your present, you're doing yourself a disservice. This moment is a beautiful moment. And in this moment, we get to choose our responses, our attitudes, and our love. So those are thoughts that I wanted to leave you with. Lisa, looks like you're with us. Are you there? And no. Okay. All right. So I'm going to close the room in uh, just about uh, five seconds. So let's unmute and say our goodbyes. And so thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week. And thank go you. out and live on Thank you, everyone. Absolutely. Love you all. Take care. Love you all. Take care. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.